Amen. Amen. Good morning and welcome to Christ Central. My name is Owen. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. If you're joining us for the first time today, welcome to our church. We're so glad that you're able to join us. Or maybe today is the first time you've been to church in a long time. Welcome home. Uh, we're so glad uh, that you're back. I have one very important announcement to make before I start my sermon. Our annual congregational meeting will be held on Sunday, September 24. What makes this congregational meeting different from any of the other congregational meetings that we've had this year is, is this. Um, it will be at 1030, which means we will only have one worship service on September 24th at 9 a.m., and then immediately after that uh, worship service at 10.30, we will have our congregational meeting in this room. So if you come at 11 a.m. on the 24th, you will walk into the middle of our congregational meeting. So this announcement is really for this crowd. Please, on the 24th, come to the 9 a.m. service. Uh, mark it on your calendars. At our congregational meeting, we'll do several things. We're going to vote on reinstating elders, deacons, and deaconesses who are returning from their sabbatical. We'll present our approved budget for the year, and we'll go over some important housekeeping items. Now, if you are a member of this church family, then please make every effort to stay for the congregational meeting. It is one of your uh, duties and responsibilities as a member of this church to participate and, and to be present in this congregational meeting. Now, even if you are not a member of our church, you're welcome to stay and to observe and to see what it is that we do as a church family, even though you will not have voting privileges. <clears throat> so for the past ministry year, during our all-church Sundays, we have had a special sermon series called The Church's Family. And in this series, we've been talking about what the church family is called to do. So far, we've learned that the church family is to love God, uh, to love one another, to gather together for worship, to uh, love the world, uh, to baptize our children, and to sing songs of praise, and to trust God in the midst of our sufferings. Uh, today, we're going to wrap up this special uh, sermon series, and the title of the final sermon in this series is, The Church Family Serves One Another. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 7 to 11. Now, during our all-church worship services, we have students from our children's and youth ministries participate by reading Scripture. In this service, we're going to have Natalie Kim from the youth ministry uh, to read Scripture for us. So, Christ Central, let's welcome Natalie to our stage. People of God, this is the word of our God. Please give it your careful attention. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers the multitudes of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks... As one who speaks oracles of grace, whoever serves as one who serves by, by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and domain forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Natalie. So today I want to talk to you about the gifts that God gives to his children 
and the purpose of those gifts. And then I'm going to conclude my sermon by giving, telling you about an, about an event that will allow you to explore the different opportunities that we have at our church for you to use your God-given gifts to serve one another and to build up the church family. Uh, here's the outline for today's sermon. First, the giver of gifts. Second, the kinds of gifts. And third, the goal or the purposes of gifts. So first, let's begin with the giver of gifts. God is the one who gives gifts to his people. Every son of God, every daughter of God, every child of God has received gifts from God our Father. Verse 10 says, as each has received a gift. It does not say as each has earned a gift. It does not say as each has worked for a gift, but as each has received a gift. You see, God is the one who graciously and freely gives the gifts, and we're the ones who freely receive the gifts from God, gifts that we did not earn, gifts that we do not deserve. Do you know what that means? It means that we are not to boast in our gifts, as if we did anything to earn or to merit or deserve them. Whatever gifts we have, we have only because God gave them to us freely and graciously as gifts. You know, to boast in your gifts would be as silly and as foolish as boasting in the color of your eyes or the size of your feet. You didn't do anything to earn the color of your eyes. In the same way, you didn't do anything to earn the gifts that you have. They were given to you freely by God, and you received them from God as gifts. So let's be humble about the gifts that God has freely and graciously and sovereignly chosen to give to us. Verse 10 also says, use it, referring to the gift, to serve one another as stewards of God's varied grace. What that means is God gives different gifts, or what Peter calls varied graces, to his people. God does not give the same gifts to all of his people, but God gives different gifts to his people. We all have gifts, but we all have different gifts. I want you to think about that and let that sink in because I want to tease out some of the implications of that. So as the people of God in Christ, we have all received gifts from God, but we have not all received the same gifts. You see, God in his unsearchable wisdom and in his infinite love gave different gifts to different members of his family. You see, in the family of God, there is a rich variety of gifts because God has given many different gifts to his beloved children. Do you know what that means? It means at least two things. First, it means we ought to be thankful for and content with the gifts that God has actually given to us. God in his sovereignty, wisdom, and love gave you exactly the gifts that he wanted you to have. He did not give you the gifts he didn't want you to have. He gave you exactly the gifts that he wanted you to have, the exact gifts that he wanted you to use to serve one another and to build up the body of Christ. So be thankful for and content with the gifts that God, according to a sovereign grace and wisdom and love, has chosen to give to you. Here's the second implication. It means don't be envious 
or jealous of someone else's gifts. Stop wishing you had someone else's gifts because you think that their gifts are better than yours or that their gifts are more important than yours. Instead, uh, give thanks to God that God has given gifts that you don't have to other people because when they use their gifts, the church as a whole is benefited. You benefit from them using their gifts just as the church as a whole benefits when you use your gifts that God has given to you. So for example... I don't have any musical gifts. I wish I could sing. I wish I could play the guitar. I remember growing up in youth group, the, the, the praise leader was the most popular guy in youth group. All the girls liked him. I never got any love, man. So do you know what I had to do when we played basketball together? I used to go at him. That was my way to get even. But even though I don't have musical gifts, I thank God that God has given musical gifts to the people on our praise team. Because when they use their gifts, it blesses the entire church. It allows all of us, even those of us who don't have musical gifts, to be able to sing with joy to the glory of God. You see, to be envious or jealous of the gifts that others have received, or to be discontent with or unhappy with the gifts that you have, that really is to question God's wisdom, love, goodness, and sovereignty. You see, the people of God are called to serve God in different ways because we all have different gifts. But no gift is more important than another. No way of serving God is more important than another. Now, as sinful, broken human beings, it is true. Sometimes we do esteem one gift as better or more important than the others, right? But God doesn't do that. Do you realize that God loves every gift that he gives? Because God only gives good gifts. God does not give unimportant or useless gifts to his people. Every gift that God gives is important and, and special and glorious. So don't be envious or jealous of the gifts that you don't have, the gifts that you wish you had. Rather, be grateful for and content with the gifts that God has actually given to you. And then, by the grace of God, seek to joyfully use them for the good of your brothers and sisters in the family of God, all to the glory and pleasure of God our Father. So that's the first point. God is the giver of all gifts. Second, let's consider now the different kinds of gifts that God gives. Now, unlike the Apostle Paul, who in his letter sometimes gives lists of specific gifts in the church, uh, Peter, in his letter to us, uh, doesn't do that. He doesn't give us the list, but he gives us uh, kind of uh, two broad categories of gifts, or if you will, two different types of gifts. Verse 11, he says, Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. According to Peter, there are basically two kinds of gifts or two categories of gifts. Speaking gifts and serving gifts. All the gifts that God gives to his children can be assigned to one of those categories. Speaking or serving gifts. Now the first kind of gift is the speaking gift. Now the most common and public use of this gift is when pastors and elders preach, teach, and pray. 
when pastors and elders uh, preach and teach uh, the word of God to God's people, when they pray for God's people, when they comfort God's people with the promises of God, they are using their speaking gifts. But pastors and elders are not the only ones in the church who have speaking gifts. You see, when any Christian man or woman filled with the Holy Spirit uses their words, whether it's in a public setting or a small group setting or even in a private conversation, when they use their words to teach the Bible to others, to encourage others, to give hope and comfort to others, to share the gospel with others, to share the reason for their hope with others, to give godly counsel and advice to others, to speak the truth and love to others, and even to lovingly admonish others, they are using their spiritual gift, their speaking gift. Let me make it more practical. When Christian parents use their words to instruct their children in the Christian faith and to teach them the ways of God, they are using their speaking gifts. When a Sunday school teacher or a youth group leader uses his or her words to teach and encourage his or her students, they are using their speaking gifts. When discipleship group leaders use their words to disciple, teach, and encourage the people in their journey groups, they are using their speaking gifts. When worship leaders use their words to lead us to sing songs of God's glory and grace in Jesus Christ, they are using their speaking gifts. You see, whenever you use your words, whether spoken or written, to encourage others to love Christ, to worship Christ, to trust Christ, to follow Christ, to cling to Christ, to rest in Christ, to be satisfied with Christ, when you use your words to do that, you are using your speaking gifts, whether it's in public or in private. The second kind of gift is serving gifts. Now, the most common and public use of this gift is when deacons and deaconesses serve and care for the needs of the church family. When deacons and deaconesses meet the practical and physical needs of the church family, whether it's feeding the hungry or caring for the sick, they are using their serving gifts. But deacons and deaconesses are not the only ones in the church with serving gifts. When any Christian man or woman who's filled with the Holy Spirit uses their hands or their resources to care for the needs of others, whether publicly or privately, they are using their serving gifts. And this can take so many simple ordinary and yet beautiful forms, right? It can look like helping people get from the parking lot to the worship building safely. It can look like doing the logistics and administration or the setting up and the cleaning up so that the church family can gather together for worship or fellowship. It can look like showing hospitality to others as you welcome people in, into your homes so that you might refresh and bless souls with a good meal and good conversation and fellowship. It can look like taking a meal to someone who is sick. It can look like sharing your financial resources with people who might be in need. Oh, it's a beautiful thing when the people of God Use their serving gifts to bless one another. You see, whenever you use your time, your talents, 
and your treasures to care for the needs of others in a practical way, to bless others by meeting practical needs, you are using your serving gift. And every Christian has serving gifts, every single one of us. So God is the giver of gifts, and he gives gifts to all of his people. Everyone has received a gift or gifts from God. And God basically gives two kinds of gifts to his people, speaking gifts and serving gifts. Lastly, let's consider the goal or the purposes of these gifts. Now, there are two goals for the gifts that God gives, what I'm going to call the penultimate goal and an ultimate goal. The penultimate goal of gifts is this, that they be stewarded and used for the common good, for the building up of the church family. Now, the apostle Peter hints at this in verse 10 when he says to use the gifts to serve one another. But what Peter hints at, the apostle Paul makes explicit and clear in in his letters, especially in his first letter to the Corinthian church. You see, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, he wrote this. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, which is just another word, a, a gift from the Holy Spirit. For what? For the common good. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12, he said, So with yourselves, uh, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, again, you're, you're eager for the gifts of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. The Apostle Paul says that the gifts of God, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, are given to the members of the church for this purpose, that they might use their gifts to build up the church, that they might use their gifts for the common good of the church. I'm sure you've heard that many times, especially if you've grown up in the church, but I want to tease out um, two implications for us that might be really relevant. Here's the first. It's not just pastors, elders, deacons, and deaconesses who are to use their gifts to build up the church. Not at all. All the members of the church are to use their gifts to build up the church. All the members of the church are to use their gifts, whether privately or publicly, whether it's their speaking gifts or their serving gifts, in order to build up the church family. You see, the work of building up the church is not just the responsibility of church leaders, but it is the responsibility of all the church members. We have to do it together. Here's a second implication. You are to use your gifts for the common good and for the building up of the body. Let me say this again. The purpose for your gift is to build up the church for the common good of the church. Do you know what that means? It means that you don't use your gifts because it makes you feel good. Because you find joy. Because you find it fulfilling to use your gifts to serve the church. Now, if you serve and use your gifts to serve because it makes you feel good, because it makes you feel valuable, because it makes you feel important, because it fulfills you, then fundamentally your service is about you, not about the good of the church. Now, to be fair, let me say this, there is often much joy, much fulfillment when you do use your gifts to serve one another and to build up the church. But listen very carefully. But your joy and your fulfillment are the result 
not the purpose for you to use your gifts. Let me say that again. Your joy and your fulfillment are the result, not the purpose, for you to use your gifts. You see, sometimes, for some of us many times, you do not experience joy or fulfillment when you use your gifts to serve the church. But that's okay because the purpose of you using your gifts was never meant to be for you to build up your ego, but to build up the church. You know, I believe that if we just understood and believed that, we would have a lot less people saying that they're burned out from serving in the church. Do you know what people usually mean when they say they're burned out from serving? What they usually mean is, it's no longer fun. I don't find it enjoyable anymore. It's not as fulfilling as it used to be when I first started. The, the sense of joy and fulfillment I used to have isn't there anymore, Pastor. I'm burned out. I don't know if I want to serve anymore. Well, I'm really, really grateful that we don't take that mentality that we use for the church family back into our own families. Let me give you an example. As a husband and a father, I use my gifts in my home, both my speaking gifts and my serving gifts. And I use my gifts in my home not so that I can feel better about myself, not because I find it enjoyable and fulfilling, but I use my gifts in my home fundamentally to build up my family and for the common good of my family. And I do that whether I enjoy it or not, whether I have a sense of fulfillment and joy or not. You know, I don't ever say, and I don't think I've ever heard any father or mother say, oh, I'm burned out from being a dad. Oh, I'm burned out from being a husband because I don't find it fun anymore. I'll be very honest. My wife's not here, so I can get real, right? She was in the first service. There are days when I don't enjoy being a husband. There are days when I don't enjoy being a dad. There are days when I wish I could quit that job. I'll be honest with you, right? I'm sure some of you feel that way. But I don't get to say I'm burned out from being a family man. I stick with it. Why? Because God has called me to use my gifts to build up my family, not for me to feel good about myself. And we persevere. We're faithful, aren't we? In the same way, your calling as a member of the church family is to use your gifts, both your speaking and your serving gifts, to build up the church family for the common good of the church family. And you are to do that whether it gives you personal joy or fulfillment or not. And that's because the goal of your ministry is not your joy and fulfillment, but the building up of the church family and for the common good of the church. But God, in his mercy, grace, and love, often does give us great joy, great fulfillment as we use our gifts to serve him, right? But not always, let's be honest. There are days, there are seasons when you're serving and it's not any fun. You're greeting people in the parking lot, doing your best, but people pull up and they're angry at you. Give me that spot. Why'd you send me there? 
Why am I doing this? <laughs> right? By the way, don't do that. <laughs> They're volunteers. They don't get paid to do that. Please show them some appreciation and courtesy. They're not the people to get mad at, okay, because you don't get your parking spot. Just a plug for the parking ministry, <laughs> right? But, you know, do you know what true maturity is? Do you know what true faithfulness is? Is when you continue to use your God-given gifts to serve, even when you don't feel like it, even when you're not experiencing personal joy and fulfillment, but you do it because of your love for Christ and for his church. And you do it for the good of the church. That's true spiritual maturity and faithfulness. Just as we say to the long-suffering husband and wife, the long-suffering mother and father, that even when they don't want to do their job, they do it because they love their kids for the common good of their family. Christ-central family. Let's stop only serving when we feel like it or when we feel like we get something in return. Because if you do, your service will be spotty, shaky, and unreliable at best. But when you use your gifts for the purpose for which God has given them to you, which is to bless the church, seek the common good of the church, then you're going to find a strength that God supplies to serve even when there is no personal sense of fulfillment or joy. And that's okay. Now, if the penultimate goal of gifts is the building up of the church, then the ultimate goal of the gifts is to glorify God. Verse 11 says, in order that in everything, everything is referring to all the gifts that he was just talking about, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We use our gifts to serve one another not only to bless one another, but ultimately to glorify God, the one who gave us those gifts in the first place. You see, ultimately, everything we say and do is for the glory of God. We're to use our gifts not to glorify ourselves, but to glorify God. We're to use our gifts not to make a name for ourselves, but so that others may come to love the name of Jesus Christ more and more. Now, for those of you that may have more public ministries in the church, uh, you and I, we need to remember that we do not use our gifts to serve our ego, but to serve the good of the church. Sometimes, let me tease this out, that means that you must use your gifts not in the ways that you want to use your gifts, but in the ways that the church needs you to use your gifts. You see, the temptation to make your ministry more about you rather than the good of the church and the glory of Christ is a very real one. You see, if you're more concerned about your service or your ministry being excellent and impressive, or if you're so adamant about your ministry being done exactly the way you want it to be and only the way you want it to be, if you're more concerned about those things than you are about the spiritual benefit that is gained by the church through your ministry, then you are making your ministry more about pleasing yourself than you are edifying the church. You know, sometimes how you want to use your gift is not the way the church needs you to use your gift. And we must have the humility to do what is best for the church, 
even if it is not our personal preference. Amen? That's super important. Okay. So why do we do all of this? Why do we go through the effort of using our speaking gifts and our serving gifts to serve one another? Why? 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 What's the motivation that makes us do this hard work? Well, the motivation is love, isn't it? Love's the motivation. In verse 8, Peter says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. We use our gifts to serve one another, to build one another up. Why? Because we love one another. And we express and we demonstrate our love for one another by using our speaking gifts and our serving gifts to bless one another, to serve one another, and to build up the church family. Love is the motivation. But we have to ask a, a deeper question. But why are we to love one another? Why? Well, it's because Jesus first loved us. And he gave us the new commandment. In John chapter 13, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Church family, the gospel tells us that Jesus loves us. And Jesus used his words to express his love for us. But Jesus didn't just use his words, did he? He also used his deeds. Jesus didn't just say that he loved us, but more importantly, Jesus showed us that he loved us. And he did that by laying down his life on the cross for us to save us from sin, death, and hell, and to bring us into his glorious family as beloved and adopted sons and daughters of God. Jesus loved and served us with both his beautiful words and his beautiful deeds. And as those who have now been loved and served by Jesus, we now have the calling, we now have the privilege, we now have the responsibility to love one another with our beautiful words and our beautiful deeds, all to the glory of God. So what? Uh, let me wrap this up. You might be thinking to yourself as you're listening to me, okay, Pastor Owen, I get it. I'm a child of God. God has given me gifts, and I'm supposed to use my gifts to help build up this church family. So tell me how I can do that. Where and how can I use my gifts to serve the common good of this church family? Now, if you're asking yourself that question, then you're in luck because I have an answer for you. Next Sunday, on September 3rd, which is our Vision Sunday, uh, we will have our first empowerment fair after each service in the foyer. And we're calling it our empowerment fair because this is where you will be able to find all the different ways that you can be empowered to serve, empowered to be a servant. Now, again, our empowerment fair is uh, a chance for you to meet all the different ministries of our church because every ministry at our church will have a booth in the foyer, and it will be manned with men and women who are currently serving in that ministry, and they'll be able to answer all the questions that you might have. And the goal is for you, every member of our church, every regular attender of our church, to find a place where you can use either your speaking uh, gift or your serving gift to help build up this church family. That's our vision for you. We don't want anyone to just come to church and just passively sit and receive, but to actively and joyfully to use your gifts 
to serve the church. Christ Central family, every one of us, every one of you, you've received a gift from God. Don't hide your gift. Don't sit on your gift. But rather, use your gift, whether it's a speaking gift or a serving gift, to serve one another and to help build up this church family. Amen? Amen? Okay. I heard three amen, so at least three of you will serve. Let's pray together. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you that you are the giver of every good gift. And you have given every one of us um, gifts, whether it's speaking gifts or serving gifts, that we can use, that we can steward to serve one another and to serve the common good of our church family and to build up our church family. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you convict and compel each and every one of us to be fruitful in our ministry to one another for the glory of your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.